Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Northumberland County Council recently inked a deal to sell the Materials Recovery Facility, or MRF as it's also known, for an undisclosed amount. A major corporation, Emterra Environmental, is hoping to buy it. Emterra runs recycling operations across Canada and in the United States. Two county representatives, Adam McHugh, Associate Director of Operations for Public Works, and Jennifer Moore, the CAO, will tell us what this means for curbside pickup and the future of the plant. I'm so pleased to have with me today Adam McHugh, the Associate Director of Operations for Public Works, and Jennifer Moore, CAO of Northumberland County. Both of you welcome to consider this. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. Jennifer, most people in Northumberland County know the recycling program through the blue and gray boxes that we put out each week with our trash, along with our compost. But there are some who may not know what happens to it once it gets picked up and trucks drive it away. I don't know if you're the best person or Adam's the best person, but tell us what happens to our recycling once it leaves our property going down the street. What happens? Well, I can certainly give a high-level overview, and Adam can can give us a lot more detail. Uh, he's much more familiar with um, the, the operation, but um, I think many of our residents know we do have the uh, the MRF, the Material Recovery Facility that is in Grafton. We can all see it from the 401 when we drive by. Um, so all of our material does make its way to that facility um, in trucks um, from your, your blue and, and gray bins. And from there, it is uh, further sorted. Uh, there is some pretty cool equipment that uh, runs at the MRF, uh, as well as what the work that our sorters do. Um, those materials are, are bailed. Uh, and they are um, in many cases sold or, or sometimes uh, depends on the value of the materials and they go off and they are, they're processed um, in various forms uh, with the, the purchasers of those, those materials and, and turned into all sorts of um, great things uh, to, to help the, the, um, the recycled economy uh, go round and round. So that, that's in a nutshell what happens. Adam can certainly talk more about what happens within in the plant and how and how it uh, operates. So Adam, where where does it go once it's in the, in the plant? Can you walk us just through what happens in there, and then when it goes out the other side of the plant, where does it go? Yes. So when it comes into the plant, the first thing we do is we tip it in two different areas on the tip floor because we are now a two-stream recycling. So that truck as it's coming in. Um, the papers material are all kept in one side of the truck and all the containers material are on the other side. So we dump it in two different locations. The paper materials are actually very clean because we're using a two-stream material uh, sort of curbside for residents. That paper material, we push that material onto a conveyor belt. It goes down to a baler and we bale that material and we market it just as is. We do a visual inspection to make sure that nothing has gotten in there uh, while it was going down the road or people didn't set the wrong thing up in their gray box. But after a visual screening, 
If there's no contaminants, that goes right to bale, so very little input. On the container side, that material makes its way into the plant. Uh, the first thing we do is, again, look for contamination, and we pull that off in our pre-sort booth. Um, then it basically goes through a number of mechanisms. There's a trommel screen that has, it's, it's a circular screen that basically has holes that are about two inches in diameter. Anything smaller than two inches falls out and we sort that separately. That's mainly like our mixed broken glass. We have a magnet uh, in place on the conveyor belt that pulls off all the metal cans. Um, we then send the, the materials through to a, a PET optic sorter. So that is an optic sorter that is basically designed to capture without human hands any water bottles or anything made of PET plastic and typically it's your water bottles and pop bottles that are made of PET. Then we have a number of staff that are sorting out the various other types of container materials whether it's gable top like milk cartons and juice cartons to margarine container to laundry detergent containers those get sorted by hand and then ultimately we then have an eddy current that kind of acts as a reverse magnet that then sorts the aluminum and ejects the aluminum off and gets the aluminum off and anything else that's left over is what we call a residual. And that's about 10% of the material that comes into the plant is our residual that ends up being a waste material that goes to, to landfill. So right now we're, we're capturing about 90% of the material that comes in from curbside is now basically being sent, bailed and then marketed on a monthly basis. So, and we do, um, do competitive bids on a monthly basis. So we allow a number of different vendors to bid on our materials and tell us how much they're willing to pay for our aluminum or our metal or our plastic bales. And we ship those out. And majority of those stay either in Ontario or North America. Before I talk about the uh, amount of money that it generates, I, I'm really interested though, in how critical recycling is to the county's overall waste management strategy. Um, how does this fit in and how significant is it to our overall what we're trying to do with our landfills and all the other aspects of waste management? Maybe, Jennifer, you might want to start on that one this time. Yeah, I, I will. The The recycling program is very critical for waste diversion, and that's really something that is is core to most of our programs. And whether it be the the, the your blue-gray bin, your green bin, your leaf and yard waste, all of those programs uh, combined uh, help to keep materials out of our landfill. And that really is the objective of all of these programs for diversion. Um, residents will notice if they go to our uh, community recycling centers that we're introducing all the time. There are more and more programs. This year, there'll be a new mattress diversion program. Um, all of those things are, are meant to keep uh, materials out of our landfills. They're precious space. Um, both from an environmental and a, and a financial perspective, we want to uh, make those landfills last as long as we possibly can. So diversion is critical and recycling plays a big part of that. Adam, do you know the history of the material recycling facility? Like when was it built and how long has it served and how has it developed over the years? Can you give us a bit of a history? Sure. So the material recovery facility in Grafton um, started out as a county initiative back in 1996, I believe, is when it was commissioned. And that's because legislation came out at that time from the province stating that municipalities who had a population over 5,000 needed to implement a blue box program and start capturing this material. Uh, back then, uh, we were under, some people remember, maybe some people will cringe, that it was a wet, dry system. So anything that was dry was placed out at curbside in a clear bag and went to the MRF. So it wasn't just materials that were recyclable, it was anything that was dry. So if there was tennis shoes or a tennis ball or a tube of toothpaste, 
that all that material went into a, a blue box and went to the MRF. And then we had a number of staff there that then sorted out the recyclable materials from the non-recycled materials and the non-recycled materials then went to landfill. And back then, probably about 40% of what was coming into the MRF was then going to landfill. Um, then we transitioned to a recycle clean program back in 2007, where we said, we're going to stay with this bag program, but we only want residents to put materials in here that are truly recyclables. So no more tennis shoes and sneakers and toothpaste. We just want packaging that's recyclable. Um, and then we made a, a major transition in 2019 and 2020 to our new recycle right program, where we asked residents to start pro sorting their materials into two boxes, a gray box for their papers and a blue box for all the other container materials, because we were just finding that it's very challenging, it was very challenging to manage the material and, and sort everything out when you had papers mixed with containers, mixed with everything else, to try to do a really good job of capturing all the material. And there was still non-recycled materials making their way into that clear bag. Um, so with, with the transition to the two stream, we saw our residual amount of uncaptured material or stuff that went to landfill from this clear bag program, when we went to the two stream recycling program, went from about 25 to 30% down to just 10% now of what comes into the plant ends up going to landfill. The other 90% is now being captured as, as clean materials that we're able to, to market for, for revenue. Jennifer, what is the current cost of the facility? That I'm going to defer a little bit to to Adam. We uh, we we know that when we see this transition, we'll save about three million dollars a year annually. So um, that that'll be the the levy portion. Uh, but Adam, I think you you probably have off the top of your head a little little more detail on the numbers of the the plant. Yes. So overall, our, our, as Jennifer mentioned, like the overall net cost of the county is about three million dollars a year. Uh, we're spending about two and a half million dollars a year collecting that material. Um, we're, we're seeing that the, the MRF operations, um, the net cost can vary significantly year to year too, just off costing us a couple hundred thousand dollars a year to over a million dollars a year, depending on how much revenue we generate from the sale of the recyclables that we capture at the MRF. And, and unfortunately, the, the revenue that we get for those commodity prices really fluctuates based on the market. So, you know, in one year we may see that we get $400,000 worth of revenue when, when markets tank and we see getting next to nothing in the way of paper revenue. But then when we had a, a bumper year uh, two years ago, we, we saw revenues up were almost at $1.3, $1.4 million. So that can really impact the, the overall cost of the operations of the MRF. But typically, it's about a, a net cost of about $3 million a year to the county to, to operate the entire recycling program from collection to promotion and education to managing the MRF itself, running the MRF and the staff there, as well as the cost to dispose of the residual waste associated with that operation, too. Adam, can we just talk a little bit more depth about these fluctuating of the market prices? Because it, the whole purpose of this, uh, we've always understand, I mean, since... People first started talking about recycling in the 70s. The idea was was to create products that used uh, recycled materials and that there was always this thought that there was going to be this great market because that was the whole cycle that was to be, to be um, created through these programs. Can you explain to us why it is that there is such a weak market, for example, for paper? Why isn't every piece of paper that we ever touch 
recycled paper? Why aren't manufacturers taking back these plastics that they use and and reusing them to generate straws or little knives when we go to Tim Hortons and get our butter knife? You know, like why is that not happening? And why is the market so low and so poor? Well, well, the, the markets really are driven by the economy. So um, we basically sell commodities. We sell aluminum, metals, plastics, and paper. So when we're selling these materials in bales, we're selling them into a marketplace and whatever the, the, the market will bear is what we'll get. So when we were in COVID, we, we saw a lot of people were purchasing and getting home deliveries through Amazon, things like that. So the demand for paper really went up because they needed lots of paper to make or to make boxes to ship materials out. And so it went up. Same with, with metals when we saw that there was, you know, when there's a boom and people are buying new cars, that the price of metal goes up and the price of aluminum goes up. Um, when we see, you know, recessions hit, we see our commodity prices go down because people aren't buying. So they don't need those virgin materials anymore. They don't need the metals and the aluminums and the plastics. So those go down. Um, but some of the other things you touched on, uh, Rob, were, you know, the plastics out there that, that we don't currently encourage residents to put in the blue box because we don't have markets for them and they're not recyclable. Things like the, the plastic utensils uh, we were talking earlier about, um, stand-up pouches where you know, our drinks are coming in, what we call in our industry multi-laminate packaging, uh, where you have a, a pouch that contains a, a juice that's made from a couple different types of plastics. And then they also have, have, have melded onto that a thin layer of aluminum as well. So even though those materials are made of different products that could be recycled individually, um, we don't have markets for that. We don't, nobody yet, as of yet has the technology to break those materials apart. So even if we capture them, we don't have a market so we can't sell those. So those types of materials just go to landfill. And that's why we don't encourage residents to put those materials into the recycling because we know that we don't have a market for them. Jennifer, the provincial government is transferring responsibility for recycling from municipalities to producers starting this year and going to 2026. What process did the county use to bring about the sale of the MRF? Well, as you said, this is uh, was triggered by some decisions by the, the province on, on how they were going to manage uh, recycling province-wide. Uh, we uh, we had to wait to see when uh, when we were going to most likely be transitioned. Uh, we know that will be at the beginning of next year, based on uh, what's been communicated to us now. Um, we then had to assess whether we wanted to continue to be in this market. And I think uh, any municipality that operated a MRF, they went through that same process of of looking at. Um, whether they wanted to compete. And really, um, when we did that evaluation, we determined that the best thing was for us to, to get out of this, this business and, and let it move to the private sector. Um, it's also that a lot of what the province is doing is regionally based. So really, we're hopefully we will see that the private sector are able to um, move to, to spaces where they, they'll have different facilities. They could be larger, more efficient, um, we would hope um, that's what their their goals will be. Um, we're of course only focused on Northumberland County, so it's just allowing it to move it move the process to the market. Um, and we made that determination. And then of course, uh, once we made that determination, um, that led to us looking at our assets and deciding that the the best course of action was to dispose of those assets. Um, and that um, took us through a sale process. And and of course, um, going through that sale process, we wanted to find a time and. Um, when it was most appropriate for us to sell it, um, when we felt that we were most likely to to get the the best price for um, for, for the assets that we have. 
What was the argument that was used by staff that justified not keeping the 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 recycling program local and and uh, putting it over to the private sector? What was the critical points? Well, I think, uh, and again, Adam has have, has been a big part of the conversations. He's he sat on a working group uh, for the pro- with the province to make sure that we were well aware of what was happening and and where where things were going to go. Uh, so certainly our team very much understood what the implications were going to be, what the producers were going to expect. And, and I think when we look at the nature of our operation, the size of our operation, uh, where we're located, um, how we serve our residents, all of those things, um, it, it really was not going to be cost effective for us to be able to most likely negotiate with the producers to continue to to operate, um, only serving our region. And I think um, if you look at the, I guess, the business case, um, we've always been focused on serving Northumberland. There was a number of years where we did um, also serve Cortha Lakes, um, and we had an agreement with them. Um, that That's ended a while ago. Uh, and I think, you know, if, if you're going to operate this efficiently and, and in the manner that the producers will expect, uh, we would really need to look at something much larger. Uh, we would le- need to look at covering a bigger region. And I think that's just something that's not really within the mandate of a municipal government. We are here to serve Northumberland County residents. So um, looking at, at how the costing would be, looking at what the operations would require, um, it makes the most sense for this to go to the private sector. Um, and, and they'll be competing in this space in other regions as well throughout the province. How many bids did the county receive for the purchase? Well, we we, we haven't been disclosing any details um, about the the actual sale, we all um, what I've shared with others is that there were there were multiple bids. Um, we've uh, we'll disclose that information um, once we get to uh, closing the sale. And I and I think um, you've seen through the the press release that it, it's um, still not it won't close until the end of this year. So that's when we will we can release more information. Can you though characterize how competitive it is within the marketplace um, for companies that are are trying to uh, buy these kinds of plants and and i mean are there a lot of companies out there that do this are there only a couple of companies that do this or are able to handle it what can you just describe it so that listeners can understand what's going on on a larger scale because we usually tend to focus just on northumberland so in, in the bigger picture are there a lot of companies that do this kind of work there, there are a number and adam i think maybe you can speak a little bit better to what you're seeing in the industry yeah, for sure. There, there are a number of private waste management companies out there. I can name a number that you'll probably recognize. Like MTER is one. They're the ones who are looking to purchase the MRF right now that we have an agreement with. But there's waste management. There's E360 Waste Solutions. There's GFL. Um, those are the uh, waste connections. The, the larger kind of private sector waste management companies that you'll, if you're driving around town, you'll see they provide a lot of services to commercial entities with their front-end bin services. But a lot of them do also operate transfer stations for waste or recyclables and also operate uh, material recovery facilities. So I would say the majority of the material recovery facilities in the province are actually privately owned and operated. The county's kind of unique, us and, and a number of other municipalities that do operate our own MRF are definitely um, the, the minority. There are 270 different municipalities operating recycling programs in the province, but not all of them operate MRFs. A lot of them contract that processing out to a private sector waste management company to process their recyclables. What's going to happen to the facility, to the people that work there? And uh, just once this transition takes place, please. 
Well, I think that's certainly something that has been at the foremost of, of our minds going through this. We've done our best, um, I guess, going back to mid-2020 uh, is when we first started to communicate with staff. So uh, we've made sure that they've been updated as much as we can share throughout this process so that um, it, it, it is something that they they can plan and, and try to, to plan for their own futures uh, and also just a, a comfort level for them because we know that it is certainly um, a difficult time when something like this is, is happening in your workplace. Um, we, uh, we are hoping um, that some of those staff will be um, will be taken on by by uh, MTERA when the transition occurs. We won't know that for a while yet. Um, there is still the, the provincial process of determining um, how they will be, um, um, awarding the, the contracts. Uh, so once that information is known, then, then hopefully we'll have a more definitive answer for our staff. Uh, but there certainly is the potential for uh, a number of our staff to be taken on um, through this transaction. So um, we don't know exact numbers yet, but uh, certainly uh, it gives that opportunity, which is a big positive with this particular um, agreement. Could you just explain a little more clearly how that provincial contract awarding process is going to affect us? Well, that that's really the... Oh, do you want to take that one, Adam? Go ahead. So basically the producers, um, all the, the entities that basically make all the various packaging that we're responsible for right now, they have an organization called Circular Materials Ontario who represents them. And they're going to operate much the way municipalities have in the past where right now Circular Materials Ontario who represents all these producers have a number of tenders out. So they've broken the province up into a number of different catchment areas and Northumberland County is in the Durham Northumberland catchment areas. So Circular Materials Ontario have a, a proposal or a request for proposal right now for private waste management companies or municipalities anybody wants to bid to bid on operating a receiving facility for recyclables to get captured in curbside in those areas. They're also seeking um, our proposals from from entities to process recyclables and to collect recyclables at curbside. So much the way the county has historically put out collection contracts for the collection of recyclables, Circular Material Ontario's is doing that very same thing. So MTERA, who has purchased the MRF, will be bidding on and hoping to secure um, a contract to operate the 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 material recovery facility in Grafton as a material as a receiving facility for blue box materials going forward. And they're hoping that maybe they may be successful to also be able to process materials there as well. But really it is a competitive bid process that MTERA and other waste management companies are going through that's being hosted by and overseen by Circular Materials Ontario, who represents those producers. Who's going to be picking up our, our recycling and our waste once we get into this new this new system? Uh, who would like to answer that one? Well, I, I can start and say that one of the things that's been a commitment throughout the entire process is that, that nothing is going to change for the residents, um, that that has been part of the, the provincial directive that um, the day this this takes over, residents will still set out their recycling the same as they do today. Um, we don't know what will happen way down the road, but for the uh, through the immediate transition, they they they're not going to they the their process, what gets collected, those sorts of things will remain the same. Uh, behind the scenes, there will be certainly be some changes in who does what, uh, but for the residents, the the whole point of of this transition. Um, as directed by the provinces, that in the immediate term, they won't see any changes. And Adam can maybe elaborate a little bit on what's going on behind the scenes. 
Yeah, certainly. So, so right now we are also working with Circuit Materials Ontario because uh, Circuit Materials Ontario would like to see municipalities where possible uh, continue to administer collection contracts during the transition period. So the transition period that the province has put in place is, is between 2023 and 2026. So very likely the county will continue to administer a collection contract that we have right now with Miller Waste to ensure that, that, that recyclables get collected curbside throughout the province for the years 24 and 2025. 2026, uh, we won't know yet, but, but that will be beyond the transition period. Um, so as Jennifer mentioned, like the province has said that there should be no material change to curbside collection. Residents should not see any change. So what you're allowed to put out in, in your blue and your gray box today will remain unchanged until 2026. Come 2026, the producers can look to standardize the collection list across the province. So right now, every municipality, you know, does something a little different. So when you move to a new municipality, you're always wondering, you know, what can I put in my blue and gray box? How does it go out? The, the idea with this transition is that that will become streamlined throughout the province. Wherever you go in the province, you'll be allowed to put the same materials in, the, in, in your blue or gray box um, for collection. So the idea is that come 2026, you'll actually probably see that there may be more materials that you'll be allowed to place out for collection come 2026. Um, and it'll very likely be similar, but there definitely is the opportunity for producers to enhance the existing system and make changes to it. But there should be no noticeable change between now and the end of 2025. But isn't isn't one of the things that we always take pride in is that everything that's done local, we can excel at. Maybe we have a better collection set. Maybe we have a better recycling system. I know in Toronto, they don't pick up as many things as we they pick up here in Northumberland. I, I mean, you know, how 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 is how does that going to really benefit us if, if we're going to be suddenly become part of this gargantuan region that, you know, are, are we still going to have a say or are we still going to be heard as citizens to make sure that, you know, our recycling is at a high level and they're pulling out 90 percent or more of of uh, recyclables so that our, our landfills aren't going to get filled up? Uh, I, I can hear listeners worrying about the fact that they you know, we might see a decline in service or or we're just, you know, a little Northumberland County and who cares about them and what they want to do. How do you address that? I, I think that those that's one of the, the main things that we we have been tabling and, and not just Northumberland, but I think all municipalities have been uh, raising that concern that they want to make sure that um, our programs maintain the levels that they're at or improve. Um, we, we certainly have a vested interest. We talked at the beginning about the importance of diversion and um, keeping as many things out of our landfills as we possibly can because they will continue to be uh, oper operated by municipalities. Uh, so we want to make sure that, that those diversion rates are, are maintained and we'll certainly continue to monitor and, and manage that. Uh, but from a, a process perspective, this is um, driven by the, the province and um, the the new legislation uh, driving back responsibility to producers. Um, the, the hope is that um, as they take more ownership of the program, they will seek more ways to uh, in their packaging and they'll start to modify that so that they um, will then have the, a vested interest in reducing their own costs and what it and, and what it takes to recycle. Um, that is the, the hope of this new program that that will drive those changes through the system uh, because they'll have that full responsibility now. Um, but yes, there is certainly some risk uh, with us being a smaller player now. 
um, in making sure that we still uh, see those diversion rates. Uh, we'll do our best to keep a voice at the table to make sure that uh, what's in this new legislation gets enforced. Uh, but uh, yeah, it is, it is certainly um, something we're monitoring and it's been on our radar um, since this new legislation was, was tabled. Uh, but we, we hope that it will drive uh, the intended consequences of reducing uh, some of that packaging and, and creating more things that can be recycled if they're in packaging. Well, I mean, when you look at Emterra Environmental, the company that's purchased the MRF, it's a huge company. I mean, it operates in BC, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, all across Ontario. They even have a, a, a plant in Michigan in the U.S. So it sounds like a huge company. Now, as a small municipality in eastern Ontario, are we going to get the same level of service and, and attention for residents enjoy? For example, I mean, if somebody calls in for a concern right now, um, are we going to get a call center in the future that's far away that doesn't even know where like Roseneath's located? I mean, how 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 do you square that circle? I think that goes goes back to some of the the transition process, and uh, hopefully, having a transition period will allow some time for learning. Uh, but as as we said earlier, um, we don't know what MTERA will do for service. Uh, we're still waiting to hear um, what the awards are for each of those catchment areas that Adam mentioned. Um, so we we don't know who uh, who will be serving the county from that perspective uh, at this point in time. Well, uh, okay, fair enough. But I, I mean, you know, when you check out Emterra, I mean, they most recently in Victoria, just in the last uh, couple of months in Victoria, BC, uh, they lost its contract to GPL because they had pickup issues and the company was blaming a lack of staff and the weather and other things. So, uh, you know, again, that sense of control, that sense of of things being local, it, it, it just surprises me because Durham and London, they're not selling their facilities. They're going to keep them going. And I, I just wonder, you know, was was there ever discussion about a partnership with Durham and, and having a, a service like from Durham and Northumberland? Was that ever part of the discussion? Uh, we didn't. I don't know that we 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 looked at a number of options before we brought this this process forward. I think we need to um, certainly look at our our size. Um, I, I don't don't think that we did um, explore a partnership with Durham per se. Um, Adam can can maybe give us a little bit of background on on some of those original options. They were taken to uh, County Council. I guess it was 2020 when we originally made this decision. From um, what we knew at that time of of the process. Um, and certainly um, we, we did look at what would be um, both from a, a service level and a cost perspective. We evaluated those options um, to see how we could serve the residents. And we did look at what um, most other municipalities of our size uh, were doing uh, and what uh, service levels they were able to continue. I don't know if, Adam, you want to add anything to that. Well, certainly. So 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 what we're talking about right now is, is the processing of recyclables. So, so that... That is something that as a municipality, we don't have the ability to make that decision if we want to stay in the game or not. Much like Amterra is having to bid, Northumberland County would have had to make uh, a, a bid um, to certain materials in Ontario to see whether or not we could be competitive in that space to operate our MRF. And, and the signaling we're getting is basically that they're looking at more centralized, larger material recovery facilities to, to process the, the, the materials that get collected from curbside. Where residents will see most, if any, impact is curbside collection. And that's where certain materials Ontario have indicated and signaled that they would prefer to see municipalities continue to stay involved and administer the collection 
so that we're the ones that are still answering the phones and, and dealing with those calls from residents. So we're working with Circuit Materials right now to see if we can come to mutually agreeable terms on continue to administer that collection contract with Miller Waste and possibly down the road with if we were to, to tender it again when this when this contract expires. So um, where the material gets processed really doesn't have that much of an impact on, on residents. They're all going to basically be wanting to capture as much material as possible so they have more materials to market. So they're going to want to be very efficient. It's, it's, it's the curbside section, I think, that is, is where we want to make sure that, that, that residents don't see a change and the province's signal that that shouldn't happen. And if, if we continue on with Miller um, administering that contract, then, then, then you have the same contractor that's been in place since 2020 doing that, that high level of service. Where residents can have some sort of, I guess, assurance is that under the new uh, regulation that the province has passed, there are now targets that the producers need to meet. So for the various types of materials that, that marketed, they have to capture a certain percentage of those various types of materials um, on an annual basis and report back to the province. And if they're not meeting those targets, there are penalties in place. The old legislation never had targets or penalties in place. So it was just, you know, best efforts. Now it's basically, there are penalties involved if you're not capturing materials and there are successive increases. So um, as the years go on, the province is going to want to see higher and higher um, rates of capture of materials that have been marketed. So if you sold a thousand water bottles, you've got to get 90% of those water bottles back, for example, but you know, it might be 95% of those water bottles back in 2025 or 26 kind of thing as you go down the road. So uh, it's nice to see that there are targets and penalties associated with this. Need to keep in mind is that um, th this is a business and there's risk involved with a business and um, it'll be the taxpayers, if we stayed in this operation, the taxpayers would have been the ones continuing to absorb that risk. Uh, when we look at commodity prices and those sorts of things, that flows back to the taxpayer if we stayed in this competitive operation. Jennifer, your press release says you'll be communicating with residents more as more information becomes available. What item, what are some of the items, excuse me, what are some of the items still on the checklist to be done before the full transfer of our local system to producers? I, I think a lot of that is is really looking at what happens with the awards of the catchment areas. And then of course, um, a lot of that will be working with staff uh, once we have that information um, for that, that portion of the transition. Uh, we will continue to, to operate. So we need to continue to operate and maintain the facility through the end of the year. Uh, and then we will go through that that transition process. Um, so I think a, a lot of the the heavy lifting has occurred at this point, um, and now it, it's it's just implementing um, what we what we have. Adam, what do you see on the checklist? Yeah, so for us right now, it's it's working with Emterra to basically satisfy the few conditions within the existing offer that we have right now in play. Um, so Amterra is looking right now to come before Alma Calderman Council at some point in the future to basically have the property rezoned so they can continue to operate that that facility as a MRF. Um, and they're just doing their due diligence checks right now with the county. Um, so once we have those in place, um, we should we should have a finalized offer in place. Obviously, we've we've set the close date for for January of 2024, just because until that time. The, the county is still legally obligated under the existing legislation to continue to offer the blue box program to our residents. So that's why we've chosen that date in January. Adam McHugh, Jennifer Moore, thank you for talking to me today. Thanks, Rob. Thank you very much.
That was Adam McHugh, Associate Director of Operations for Public Works, and Jennifer Moore, CAO of Northumberland County. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.